0: It's day 365, the final 24-hour period of 2021, and the eve of another day one. Today takes on many themes for many people, with some choosing reflection, some looking forward, and others simply existing. For me, it's another opportunity to write another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a program and newsletter that seeks to bring you as much information as often as possible. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, ready to get to it. On today's program, the pandemic surge continues with three days in a row of record new cases in Virginia, and Virginia's emergency physicians want a new state of emergency. Attorney General Mark Herring has sued a small town outside of Suffolk for a pattern of racial discrimination in traffic stops. Charlottesville City Council is briefed on how the city's affordable housing fund is used and agrees to cancel a sidewalk paid for through federal housing funds. And more new bills are filed, including a prohibition on COVID vaccine mandates. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, Stitch Please is the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. Stitch Please centers Black women, girls, and femmes in sewing. Weekly discussions, interviews, tips, and techniques celebrate and contextualize Black creativity. To support the program, creator Lisa Wolfork has created a 2022 Black Women Stitch wall calendar with four usable applique patterns based on original art by black women artists visit blackwomenstitch.bigcartel.com to purchase it today For the third day in a row, the Virginia Department of Health has reported a record number of new COVID cases with 17,618. The percent positivity has increased to 21.5 percent. These are numbers that have not been seen at any point during the pandemic. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there are 365 new cases reported today, which is not a record, but it's close. The seven-day average for new positive tests in the district is 15.2 percent. Yesterday, the Virginia College of Emergency Physicians called on Governor Ralph Northam to declare a state of emergency in order to assist emergency rooms across the Commonwealth. Northam's previous emergency expired on June 30th. Here's a link from their press release. Emergency departments are considered a safety net for those patients in need of care, regardless of insurance status, and are federally mandated and morally obligated to provide care to all those who seek it. However, Virginia's emergency medicine system is under threat of collapse due to excessive patient volume. A declaration would allow access to federal funding, allow hospitals and ERs to enact triage protocols, and more flexibility in allocating resources. The group also wants the Virginia Department of Health to provide more testing sites. The release notes that hospitalization numbers are below the levels of the winter peak earlier this year, and that the majority of patients are unvaccinated. The high number of cases are causing some to alter their plans. For instance, the Ickes Art Park has canceled their Studio 51 New Year's Eve party due to staffing and safety concerns. With only two weeks remaining in his second term, outgoing Attorney General Mark Herring has filed a lawsuit against the town of Windsor for violations of the Virginia Human Rights Act and the Virginia Public Integrity and Law Enforcement Misconduct Act. The latter passed the General Assembly in 2020 and allows the Attorney General to sue when evidence is gathered that a law enforcement agency is engaging in a pattern or practice that deprives persons of rights, privileges, or immunities. The suit filed in Isle of Wight circuit court argues that the town's police department disproportionately pulls over black drivers. Here's a bit from the pleading. From July 1st, 2020 through September 30th, 2021, the department conducted 810 traffic stops of black drivers, representing approximately 42% of the stops conducted by the department. Consequently, the town stopped black drivers between 200% and 500% more often than would be expected based on the number of black residents in the town or Isle of Wight County. The suit goes on to argue that black drivers were searched more often than white drivers. It also cites an incident from December of 2020 in which an officer pulled a gun on somebody after claiming he was making a felony stop. He pulled over an off-duty police officer who was black. The department does not have a policy on what constitutes a felony stop. The suit also accuses the town of inconsistent reporting and demands the town adopt policies to address the violations. The General Assembly session begins in less than two weeks, and bills continue to be pre-filed. Incoming Delegate Tim Anderson has filed a bill prohibiting COVID vaccines from being mandated and prohibiting people from being dismissed by employers for refusing to be vaccinated. Delegate Ronnie Campbell of the 24th District, a Republican, has filed a bill to add 23.2 more miles of the Maury River to be added to the state's list of scenic rivers. Another bill from Campbell would rename and reroute a position of U.S. 60 in Lexington and create a new U.S. 850 for a section of the current route. Campbell also filed legislation to allow Bath County to be added to the list of localities that can charge a fee for disposal of solid waste. Campbell filed another bill to require vehicles that claim to be for farm use to obtain a placard from the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles at no charge. Campbell would also prohibit Virginia from allowing absentee ballots to be dropped off at additional locations outside of registrar's offices. He also has bills filed to end no-excuse absentee voting, and he would also abolish the right to be added to a permanent list for voting absentee. Campbell also wants to call for a constitutional convention to put limits on the power of the federal government. A local educator has released the latest version of a calendar to help people find out about African-American cultural events in the community. Alex Zan has been producing the Harambee family events calendar for many years. City Councilor Cena McGill made an announcement at last week's city council meeting. Harambee, Swahili, all pull together. Cultural events' objectives are to inspire and unify area citizens to communicate more effectively and create maintain a positive environment for change and civility. The calendar can be downloaded as a PDF and can help map out 2022. The calendar also strives to strengthen family relationships and nurture cultural awareness, particularly among African Americans who have experienced a lack of inclusion in many area events. McGill said physical copies of the calendar will be distributed throughout the community. You're reading Charlottesville Community Engagement. In today's shout-out, a shout-out to the shouters of Out! I want to thank all of the individuals and entities that have supported this newsletter and podcast this year through a $25 a month Patreon contribution or through some other combination of support. Thanks to the Charlottesville Jazz Society, Code for Charlottesville, LEAP, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance, Lonnie Murray and his love of native plants, WTJU, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society, Jefferson Madison Regional Library, the Charlottesville Area Tree Stewards, Seaville 350, Piedmont Master Gardeners, and of course, the Valley Research Center. More in 2022. Two more segments to close out the year and to close out the previous Charlottesville City Council. A firm hired to conduct an audit of the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund presented preliminary results to City Council at their final meeting of the year in the early morning of December 21st. HR&A had already completed an affordable housing plan as part of the Seville Plans Together initiative, but Council paid an additional $165,000 to the firm for that audit, as well as creation of a program to ensure that the rewrite of the zoning code is inclusionary. The adopted plan called for the city to spend $10 million on housing for at least 10 years. The Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund was created in 2007 as one tool for the city to increase the number of subsidized housing units. No audit has ever been conducted and the city has struggled to hold on to housing coordinators, a position which has been vacant since the summer of 2020. Philip Cash is with HR&A. We went back to 20. We went Records are going back to 2010. We're talking about just shy of $47 million here, the vast majority, $38 million of being local, you know, city, city housing trust fund money. Cash said there are three major areas funded by the housing fund. They are development of new units and rehabilitation of existing ones, programs and operations of housing nonprofits, and city administration. The main beneficiary of the city funding has been the Piedmont Housing Alliance, followed by the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. That's really you know, tied to one the Friendship Courts projects in particular really moved their position on this pretty significantly. The analysis also broke down how much return the city gets on its investment. Rehabilitation and construction of single-family homes are the most expensive per unit. New construction has been subsidized at a range between $20,000 and $45,000 per unit, with rehabilitation being between $3,000 and $25,000 a unit. Cash said there are some initial lessons that can be learned. Funding that was authorized by the city was not spent or followed up on while it was awarded. What it was awarded for wasn't necessarily what actually ended up happening or wasn't actually used. There, you know, there are a couple of examples of projects that are being delayed um, or units not not being built or not being built yet. Um, there was a, There's projects that were actually located outside the city, but did not necessarily do, um, leverage regional funding. There's a clear pattern of needing for better reporting and monitoring. A final report will be developed early next year. Recommendations will inform the next capital improvement program. Outgoing mayor Nakaya Walker said she wants funding to go to be producing housing and not to support nonprofits. Like keeping an organization afloat is not should not be our goal if they're not delivering and i think what ultimately once this report is finished the community will see is that we haven't um, been mindful at all regarding the funds that we are allocating And we need to be more, you know, mindful. And in their final item of the year, council agreed to cancel a project to build a sidewalk on Franklin Street using federal funds that come through the Community Development Block Grant process. The project had been selected by a task force, but was defunded earlier this year because it could not be completed by a federal deadline. Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders recommended council consider moving away from the task force model. Um, Routinely a task force model uh, don't necessarily help to meet the regulatory conditions because typically what you're doing is just simply allowing uh, community members to pick projects and they don't necessarily always know all the details that go into executing In 2017, the city selected the Belmont neighborhood to be the recipient of CDBG funds, and a task force recommended $204,263 worth of funding go toward the Franklin Street sidewalk. This spring, staff said they would seek to reallocate funds back to the project, but Sanders had concerns it would once again not be completed in time to meet a May 2022 deadline. Uh, Engineering complications exist today in order for us to be able to move forward. The reality is it shouldn't have been selected. Sanders, who has only been with the city since August, said the city's process has been flawed. In addition, Sanders said this project did very little to address low income residents. Council agreed to cancel the project by nodding their heads. Sanders will return with an update to the city's ordinance to eliminate the task force's role in favor of a staff advisory body that would seek input from the planning commission and council. This has been a very busy year for Town Crier Productions with 163 newsletters, 51 weeks ahead, and a whole lot of reporting and research. I had intended to create a year in review, but 2022 is going to begin with a bang, so my concentration is going there. However, I am continuing to do a year in review on the Seaville Town Crier account on Twitter. If you want to review the year, go take a look there. After about 16 hours of work this week, reviewing previous installments of the newsletters, I'd only gotten as far as March. So, go take a look there. I'm going to continue throughout the rest of the day updating that. And please retweet and like and share. Please share this information as far as you can. And thank you for all your support this year. And let's see what 2022 brings us. (laughs) And that is the end of this installment and this year's worth of installments of Charlottesville Community Engagement. It has been my tremendous pleasure to bring you this information as often as I can, and that will continue into 2022 and hopefully beyond. I believe the community needs this information, as much of it as you can, and and my hope is to bring it to you in a way that makes sense and provides context and is to as wide an audience as possible. I have supporters from all across the political spectrum and that is something I believe is tremendously important as we face the challenges that next year will bring, as the next decade will bring, and as we seek to make the community better. That's the promise of America and it certainly is the promise that uh, imbues every single installment of Charlottesville community engagement. You know what, we're going to take a break from any pitches today. I really just want to sincerely hope that your new year is successful. You can have a great uh, look back at what you've done this year. And of course, I really do just want to bring you hope to your family and to yourself and to anybody else, uh, because honestly, that's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for, at least. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of Charlottesville Community Engagement. And once again, uh, it's really important that you guys stay safe. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you back here on Monday with another installment. The week ahead comes out. Sunday. This stuff never stops. I love it. Thank you very much for your support. Stay safe and be careful.